gets inside, leans in, knocked away and stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top. This the dagger. This kind of sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. Here's the thing, I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Josh Pudangst, and we are back. It's been a while, but I am happy to be back as... This is going to be a very passionate podcast episode, so stay tuned. It's featuring my Phoenix Suns, as I've been hyping this episode up for quite a while now. Um, Since Friday, whenever the Suns last played. But yeah, we're going to be breaking down the Phoenix Suns today. I have many different topics I want to talk about, and I tried to condense it the best I could, so everyone could understand it. And they could pretty much not have their minds exploded with all the information because I went through every single DeAndre on Twitter. I could have gone deeper, but I went through every single social um social media I could through DeAndre. But yeah, so we're back. Took a little mini hiatus from the podcast through. Uh, School finishing up, I guess school starting back now, um, just between all these different things, sickness, etc, etc. That does not matter, we are here, and before we jump into Phoenix Suns and to all of our different topics, I just want to say, um, it's great to be back, but we got so much more planned beyond the podcast, and that starts with our YouTube channel, of course you can see us on all these different social media Outlets like um, on our different accounts like um, Facebook.com slash Courtside Heat, Instagram.com slash Courtside Heat NBA, Twitter.com slash Courtside Heat. But now, my personal favorite, our YouTube channel at Courtside Heat. It's been really cool. Every Monday, Thursday, and Saturday, we'll be coming out with NBA 2K23 content. So, 2K content coming out on Monday, Thursday, Saturday. But beyond those scheduled days, regular NBA content like my or my, my podcast, NBA clips, NBA highlights, uh, recaps, previews, stuff along those lines, those come out every single day, and we don't have a set number on that. So there's tons of clips, we just post them whenever, and it ships right there for you guys. So again... Go to YouTube.com and put in Courtside Heat. We have our own tag now. We have our own like, little at. So just put at Courtside Heat or whatever. And just, it's all one word. One word, Courtside Heat. Boom, bada, bang, you're there. So yeah, that's where you can find us on social media, Courtside And yeah, YouTube, go. Check it out. Binge watch. We have tons of my career and what if videos, challenges, and just crazy stuff like Larry Bird joined a 2020-23 Boston Celtics. So really cool stuff. Now with all that being said, and all my plugins are just exploding because I have so much more I want to say. But I'm going to save my voice for breaking down the Phoenix Suns, which we're going to get into now. And where do I begin? You see, the Phoenix Suns are a very interesting team right now. 
Very interesting team. They're 20 and 21. They started out very, very hot. It did. What were we like 15 and 6 at one point? I've no I have no clue. No clue. I don't want to know. Because that ticks me off to the highest degree. It really does. And I sat there. I watched on Monday on the new um on like the federal holiday of New Year's. It seems like January 2nd, January 1st. I have no idea. Somewhere, but it was a Monday. I was there. It was some sort of day. And I was watching the Knicks game. We got blown out. We got humiliated. We got embarrassed. I I seriously on Twitter, as I'm saying now, we got humiliated. We should be ashamed. The Suns should be ashamed. That is without doubt. That was just complete and utter embarrassment from DeAndre Drain to Damian Lee to Mikael Bridges to everyone. Then that got me thinking, okay, that's just one bad game. Now we're going to rebound. Well, was I ever wrong? Rebounding, well, it's something the Suns can't do, and I have that backed by statistics, and I've watched it with my own two eyes. Ugh. Then we had to, after the Knicks game on Monday, January 2nd, then two days later on January 4th, which is a Wednesday, we continue our just horrific road stretch against the Cavaliers, right, to end our, uh, what was that, six game, hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, six game uh, road trip. We lose 90 to 88, okay, respectable, we played our hearts out, that was respectable. And then we lose two days later, Friday, January 6th, to the Heat, 104-96. But trust me, I was watching that game. It's a lot closer. It was not even close. The reason why it was this close because the Heat gave up considering one. That's a fact. And then yesterday, Sunday, I got the joys of watching the Suns lose by 14 at home to the Cavaliers. And... Mobley put up 14-8-6. Isaiah Coro, 14. Jared Allen, who brutalized and humiliated DeAndre Ayn, Jack Lundell, and whoever else out there being the big man and covering, having that matchup assignment. Got 13 points and 12 boards. But Darius Garland, 22, with seven nice assists. And Donovan Mitchell, 22. And Karis Levert, 13. That does not sit well with me. It doesn't. And that forced us into a 20-21 situation. But you may be saying, okay, we've had a few bad games. No, we've had a lot of bad games. And what really starts to get on my nerves is the progression of this team. Because, and for all the idiots out there that are comparing this to the years of 2013, like 2015 to 2019, Y'all are morons. That's not it. I apologize. No, I really don't. I really don't. Because you guys are morons. Because if you think that this team, with the talent that we have, despite how dysfunctional it is, is reverting back to those dark days with Tyson Chandler, Tyrellis, uh Brandon Knight, and all these other players, minus the great Devin Booker, you are insane. Because we have so much better talent it's just dysfunctional right now, and I'm going to get into that. Trust me, I got six bullet points I'm going to talk about, and I'm just going to be 
blunt, and I'm just gonna be honest. But um, that aside, in the fourth quarter of yesterday's game, this home game, remember, we got outscored 32 to 19. That's a problem. That's a problem. They shot better from the field than us. Um, free throws they're better at. It was only really one, but whatever. They out-rebounded us. They out-passed us. They out-blocked us. They out-stole the ball from us. And they had less turnovers. And what was more frustrating is they controlled the paint. Guess who the paint should be dominated by? DeAndre, Jock Lundell, whoever's in the middle. And had less fouls. But a lot of breakaways. A lot of bad possessions. A lot of key turnovers that altered the momentum and flipped the switch for the Suns in a negative way. So, we're going to break down the Phoenix Suns. I got six bullet points. The first one being this. Injuries are a killer. And now, guys, I want to state this. I am not going to give you a chronological uh, order of for the first game and now and everything like this, pinpointing everything. I'm going to give you selected details and different things like that that paint a whole picture, but it's not going to be down to every analytical bullet point in every detail down to the final word, right? I'm not going to do that. What I am going to be doing is I'm going to be paying y'all a picture and these six different bullet points that go from injuries to the bench to trades. Now, I got trade scenarios, so y'all better be ready for that. And I have a lot of statistics. I can't count right now. I can't talk and count at the same time. But I have on bullet point number six, I have some of the most sickening statistics but you guys are about to hear from that anyways but let's get started so injuries nobody wants to have injuries on their team and I need to be the optimistic and realistic one in the room injuries are a killer and they always will be it will be disruptive and it will never be a positive if someone thinks an injury is a positive, that's just sad, uh, to say the least. But we have to remember right now with the Phoenix Suns. Before injuries, they were on a high. When they had no injuries, listen, the Suns were on top until injuries struck them. They were competing for first. Now they are competing for a playing spot. They are eighth. They are in playing. They have a playing spot. Pathetic. The Suns have no Cam Johnson. Still rehabbing from that meniscus repair. No campaign. Out for at least two weeks. No Devin Booker. Still recover from the groin. And no Chris Paul who's day to day with a little hip soreness or whatever it was. And he already missed. 14 games. Make it 15. Like, how many games is this? But we're in double digits, and that is not good. And the team is missing free starters. 
all vital to the team's success. So no Cam, no Devin, no Chris. Those are starters. Remove Chris, who they found success not having Chris in because they had pain. Then that got described when pain went out with a foot injury, which cost him nine games. And now that's really four starters. All vowed to the team's success. So the Suns are horrific without those three. If you're just talking about starters, like true starters. So the mounting of injuries gave them issues with consistency and with chemistry. These injuries took away their best scores, which left the Suns totally powerless offensively. Even their best playmakers, having no campaign, having no Chris Paul, pretty much sets it back up to, well, Devin Booker's going to run it. Devin Booker has to run it again. He's going to be the top guy. Well, no Devin Booker. Well, somebody has to run it. And nobody's there. And even though this is not an injury, Jay Crowder not being here took away some of the Suns' edge and their impact offensively and defensively. Why? Because he's the greedy-gutty type of guy, the hustle type of guy, the prove-it type of guy. But ever since they mutually agreed to find a trade partner, which is taking forever, this is what we're left with. And it's bad. But injuries are not a good thing. They're mounting against the Phoenix Suns, and it is costing them greatly. I sincerely believe that and mean that. Listen, um, not having Devin Booker, that's a pain. That's a best sister. That's just, that, that just hurts. That's a killer. No Cam Johnson. Look, you guys can talk about this Suns team. And I've, I've said this a nauseam times. A very, 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 very long list of me saying this. But, look, I, I need everyone to understand this. And I've come to reality. I've come to terms of this. Even though this is just one step closer to death. I mean that. When you have a team. Like take the 2021 NBA Finals. With that Phoenix Suns team up against that Milwaukee Bucks team. But focus on the Phoenix Suns team. Jay Crowder. Cam Johnson. Cam Payne. Chris Paul. Devin Booker. Those five. Of the seven key players. In. That finals run, they're vital. Why do you see the Suns look different from now then? When you remove those five key players, what are you expecting? We have lineups. We have rotations where it's like Shaman, Lee, uh, Jock Lindell, and whoever else out there, DA. But now, it's also come to my attention, Ross Nine Ice. Put a hashtag Suns out there so everyone can see it. Uh, that and it was confirmed by Monty Williams, Phoenix Suns as coach, reliable source in my opinion. That DeAndre has suffered an ankle injury, and guess what? The Suns are gonna call him day by day or day to day. I guarantee that because that's the Suns' mo. That's what they do. That's what they did with Chris Paul. That's what they tried doing with Devin Booker. Look how that turned out with CP free and book. But guys, we have an issue here. So now let's say, okay, um, 
So, no Cam Johnson, no campaign, no Devin Booker, and Chris Paul day to day. So, no Chris Paul. And no Jay Crowder. And potentially no DeAndre Ayn. What does that mean for the Suns? Their days of being a good team is over. It is simply over. I believe that. Until they're healthy again, or at least 80% healthy, you can kiss their wishes of being a playoff team down the drain. Because I can see this Suns team very quickly being a 13th, 14th, or even a 15th seeded team. Does that scare the crud out of you? Yes. Should it? Yes. But here's the thing. Injuries aren't permanent. But, to the long-term, lasting damage it gives a team, like the Phoenix Suns, even if you get those guys back 80% healthy or more, will already be too late. Injuries are a killer. They're nothing to joke about. You can have the best scheme in the world as a head coach. Like, you could be schematically correct. You can have the best plays, and these could be plays that are 100% flawless, like proof of being having no flaws. But if you don't have the right players to execute it, then what is it worth? Shamans aren't going to run it. DeAndre's aren't going to run it. And no one else on the team is going to run it correctly if you have no Cam Payne, no Cam Johnson, no Devin Booker, no Chris Paul, no Jay Crowder. That is a significant chunk of your team through skill, through talent, through all these different areas and categories. You're just missing it. Of course the team's not going to have a big impact offensively and defensively. Of course they're not going to be motivated that much. Injuries kill mentally and physically. And the team is suffering from that right now. So keep that in mind. And this is going for the breakdown of the Suns. And I can prove that chronologically they had a great start they're third, trying to compete for first. Now, they're eighth, trying to stay alive before they're becoming a deteriorating team even more. And that leads me into my second point. That this season proves that having a good bench only goes so far. Now, I just want to put a disclaimer. I just want to put a little note in there. I am not trashing our bench. I love these guys. I saw Jock Lindell, um... Jock Lindell, Damian Lee, Josh Akogi, those three guys in particular were all good signings. I 100% believe that. I wouldn't want them to do a do-over or just like read. If you had to go back in the past, I would want them to redo what they did. I don't want them to change anything. Josh Akogi brings hustle, brings fire, brings intensity, good defensively, and can give you some good scoring nights. Same with Jock Lindell. Same with Damian Lee. Same with these guys. Remember game one of the 2022-23 season against Dallas Mavericks. Down like what, 20-25 points? He led that comeback with Devin Booker, with those guys. That's the best I saw the Suns. Rallying against their rivals, the Dallas Mavericks. And in that moment... You saw Damian Lee hit the game-winning shot. Now, I was there. I was there for that game. I got to witness that in person. And to say that was just 
That was amazing. That was spectacular. But we had moments. We had moments where this team, this ragtag team, who is failing right now because they're without majority of their players who are talented, who are skilled, or who are made for the starting role, you could take you could, that, that just takes effect. But you saw good moments even without them, like take Christmas Day. Sure, they lost against the Nuggets, but they battled. They put their heart into it. Landry Sham actually had a good outing. Aaron Gordon might have killed him, but he had a pretty good outing. I believe it was in that game. DA was pretty good. You had some good moments. Josh Kogi was good. Like, there was, the bench was good. Even when you had to set back in-game real-time, Devin Booker being after being in there for four minutes, but then re-aggravating his groin injury. That hurts. That stings. That's going to put a damper on things. Obviously. But the Suns rallied back, and they made it a very interesting night. They made it a very interesting game, and I applaud them for that. And I was on the verge of crying because how good that game was, and when we lost them, like, we put our heart, soul, everything into this. Our bodies went through war. We went through war mentally and physically, and we came up short. But we never quit when Nikhil Jokic scored that triple-double. When... Aaron Gordon was committing murder out there when the refs were not on our side that much. Did we have key critical errors? Yes. And can I just say something? This season proves that having a good bench only goes so far. And when you have a team, whether the team is healthy or not, and you have a coaching issue. And I didn't put it as one of my bullet points, but because my brain works in a beautiful way, I'm going to do it anyways. And I think of many different things like the rest of us on this earth. We've had coaching issues. And when we make the same darn issues over and over again, that's a Monty Williams issue. Correct the turnovers. Correct the sloppiness. You know how many clutch games we were in and we fumbled it because of an error where that could have been corrected by the coach a lot earlier because it's a reoccurring issue? Time after time after time after time after time, I have witnessed that with my own two eyes. I have read that with my own two eyes. And it is just repulsing to say the least. That is something that this coaching staff should be fixing. But at the head of the table, Monty Williams should be fixing that. That is undoubtedly true. What I am saying is fact. And that is no lie. So, there's only so much a bench could do when there's injuries. There's only so much a bench could do when there's poor coaching moments. As there are poor player moments. Because in that time of self-reflection, in that time of team reflection, yes, you could blame the coach. But you also have to, but you also have to blame the players for not performing well and making those same stupid mistakes over and over again. Anyways, back to my second point. This season proves that having a good bench only goes so far. Bench players can hang with starting players. For example, Donovan Mitchell will take down any one of our starting, uh, uh, one of our bench players. Fact! He did that twice. 
And the same goes for Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, and any other players along those lines. That is undoubtedly true. You can't convince me otherwise. You can't. Bench players are good for the bench. Bench players are good to step in for a game, but not good for several games. They have proven that. No disrespect towards them. Just pointing out as, as, it, as it is. They have value, but do but they have value. Bench players have value, but not to the expectations of a starting player. Players like Josh Okogie, Damian Lee, and Jock Dow are good for recovering stretches of a game or coming in after starters, obviously. But them as a starter just doesn't live up to the impact that Booker, Johnson, or Paul, or anyone else has. I'll say it again. Bench players can hang with the big dogs of starting players. There is a different mentality. There is a different level. It is just different. And I will say that over and over and over and over and over again. Injuries are a killer. And this season proves that having a good bench only goes so far. Bench players have one job. You are supposed to exceed at this one job. Help the team. Don't let the team struggle when you're out there on the court. If the starting unit can't do it, you pick up the slack. You've proven that. They've done their job very well. When the starting unit is is on fire, you carry the momentum, you carry the torch, you keep the fire going, and you put more gasoline on it until you have this huge, monumental fire that turns into a huge, monumental disaster for your opponents. And there ain't no firefighter or fire truck or human being alive that can put out that fire to the end of the game when you call it quits because the job's finished and you won the game. That's just it. And I love this bench. So I'm not knocking against them, but there's only so much they can do. Josh Okoge will get you 14 points. 10 points a game. 10, 14 points a game. He'll get you those effort points. He'll get you those effort stats. He will be that hustle player. But those statistics, those things don't make it in a starting position. That role is different. A role player. That's different than a starting player. A bench player is different from all two, from all three of those things. Understand. That you can't be averaging 14 points a game. In a starting role. And expect to beat out a player. Who's getting 28-7-7 per game. Like Luka Doncic. Like Kevin Durant. Like a Brian Ingram when he's healthy. Like a LeBron, like anyone, that is just a fact. That's just a fact, guys. So a good bench only goes so far. And you can have like one of the world's greatest benches ever. You can, but that's not going to make up for it. Starters have to start and bencher, bench players have to bench. That, that didn't make sense, did it? Never mind. It sounded better in my head. I promise. That sounded better in my head.
Guys, we're coming to a huge issue. I'm not going to lie. We're in a huge issue. And this leads to my third bullet point. Are you guys ready for this? I've been saying this forever. I'm going to pull up something real quick. I'm going to pull up something. Are you ready, guys? Go to Cortia.com right now. Great. Get on your little iPhone or Android. You go to the first article. Or, if, hey, I'm going to plug in real quick. Substack.com. Go there. Cortia Heat. Go to the first article that you see. Click on it, and it's titled, Is This the Downfall of the Suns? I said this, the Phoenix Suns have become a complex team filled with holes and mysteries since the season began, or when they lost to the Mavericks in the second round of the postseason. I've said that, that's very true. Um, but something I saw was very interesting was this. You go make a trade. I said this, and this article came out when? Anyone wants to give me a day on this? I guess we don't have a day. But this came out not too, this came out like a, a week or two ago. <sighs> I said this. The Phoenix Suns need to make a trade for a player like Kyle Kuzma. And I expressed why Phoenix should go out and get Kuzma. But I also believe that it's all the issues. I strongly believe that a lot of the issues the Suns are facing right now will be cured when injuries are at a minimum and the group can start to gel again. Blah, 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 blah. These issues aren't permanent. They are temporary. Understand that. Get Kuzma, get everyone back who is 80% healthy, and start winning games again and form an unbreakable chemistry. The issues boil down to injuries, dependency, and many other factors that are turning into a dangerous snowball effect. And I go on, I go on, blah, blah, blah about that for a few more paragraphs. But notice what I said. Get Kuzma. So what's my third point? The Suns need another score as they rely upon Booker way too much. I said get Kuzma. And that one of their issues was dependency on a player. I had a whole section in that article. Saying that the Suns rely on Devin Booker way too much. This team has shown they've relied upon their franchise player. Since he got drafted way too much. As this season definitely proves it. If the Suns do not get in our score, then this team will be off worse than when Devin Booker started the season and when he got hurt up until that moment when he returns. If Booker is struggling or missing that game or games, then it will be important. I mean, it will be, be important, be pertinent, be whatever, to have a player that is known to be a secondary shooter and who is young. Chris Paul was that secondary shooter until he looks like a 40-year-old man because he's a 40-year-old man. Just being honest, this team will thrive better in the wing column, chemistry-wise, statistically, in every area of that organization, 
to get another player who can elevate the play of this team. Just saying, guys. Just saying. Look. Again, when you have a franchise player, you rely upon them. That's why they're called a franchise player. And they have to live up to those expectations. But it creates a mindset within the organization, within that locker room, that, hey, as long as we have that franchise player, everything will be taken care of. And we can just try to adapt to that player and just let everything go for him, have the impact, have the love, and have just the ball go for him, and he can just be that player. There is an inherent problem with that. Are you guys ready? What happens when he's not there? I got the answer. Look at the Suns. When he's not there, guess what happens? The Suns are in disarray. They're discombobulated. They're confused. They're frustrated. They're sad. They don't know how to feel. They don't know how to operate. They've been programmed and trained to believe that as long as we have this starting player who we can depend on, everything else will be taken care of. As long as we do our tiny little loads and the big load gets taken care of by Booker, everything will be fine. Well, your first player, Booker. Second player, Paul. Well, Booker's not playing. Paul is underachieving as a scorer. No dig against him, plus he's getting older, plus he's dealing with injuries. Plus, all shouldn't be upon CP free to get the job done. It, 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 it creates dependency and laziness because now your mindset and goals are shifted. So you have a franchise player who's taking care of all of this, who's going off for 40, 50 points. That Booker did that twice this season. Don't don't forget about that. It's like okay, we have this player. He's taking care of us. We're perfect. We're fine. I'm gonna take my foot off the gas pedal. I now have a different mindset. Okay, this player's scoring a lot. So now that means I don't have to. I can focus on different things. But now you want to know the problem with that? Because that is the case. What does that create? Dependency and weakness because now they do not know how to act or respond or do anything. They do not know how to operate or function when that player's not there telling them what to do, where to go, and how to do it. Same thing when Chris Paul's not there, just in a different level. On a different level. Understand that this Suns team, because they were rooted. Through this fixed mindset of having a franchise player take care of it. And since they have it for 8-9 years now. They're like, okay, this veteran has it. They create dependency. They have now created themselves a bigger weakness and a bigger target on their backs. Because now teams can pinpoint saying, wait a minute. These guys, no matter how many injuries they have, can't function. Or it's one injury or five injury whatever injury they can't function but wait you may be like why can't they function their star player's not there so we tack them at the heart of the issue star player's not there there's dysfunctional they can't operate we can just confuse the crud out of them 
Look how it is. It's different. We can do it. Why do you think the Rockets were able to beat them? Why do you think the Trailblazers were able to beat them twice? Why do you think that teams are succeeding against them? Why do you think that the Suns can't win? Why do you think that the stinking Knicks, who were on a nine-game losing streak at that time, were able to crack the code and beat the Devin Booker list and all the other player lists? Suns. Why? They're attacking a weakness. The Suns need another score because they rely upon Booker way too much. Listen, guys, I'm going to say this for another time. I said this on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Courts of Heat. Go there. Get, follow me. At this point, follow me. Because what I'm saying is real. I'm sick and tired of this team relying on Booker way too much. I'm about to get I'm about to tear into some players. It's about to just be real fun. You saw it. Okay, real quick. How do you score? How do you win the NBA? You score. Where of NBA where are we in now? Scoring. This is a scoring league first. This is a This is a goal to score. You you score to win. You don't defend the win. You score to win. One. That's just fact. Why are the Warriors succeeding without Stephen Curry? Well, hey, they didn't build dependency to him. They got other scores. So what do I mean by dependency? Because you could be saying, that's a bunch of crap that you're throwing out right now. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what do you actually mean by that? And what do you mean by dependency? You could be calling me an idiot right now because you're like, well, you throw out this word dependency, you're not giving me a clear mind. I'll tell you. Dependency is when you have one score and you have to depend on him when he's there to get the 50 points because your other guys on that team can't do it. That's dependency. And why aren't the Warriors dependent? Because they have Clay Thompson. Fine, throw him out. Throw him and Steph out. You got Andrew Wiggins. Fine. Throw him out. You got Jordan Poole. Fine. Throw him out. You got Anthony Lamb. You got options. You got scores. You have these guys. That is just a fact. I understand the facts that I'm laying out. The Warriors are better without Stephen Curry because of the mindset they've grown. I'm not saying they can win a championship without them. I'm just saying for a stretch of games they can win without Stephen Curry because they have that to become better. That is a fact. Now, the Phoenix Suns have failed in that category. They have. And I'm, not, I'm trying not to scream because I don't need my neighbors hearing me. Just ranting about this and screaming. Understand this, guys. Warriors aren't dependent. Other teams aren't dependent. Why? Because they have scores. They have these all-round or two-way basketball players that can pick up the slack when a franchise player or when a top player can't do it. I'm so frustrating. So frustrating. That's what I mean by dependent. You get another score. That is just fact. I don't know if people see it my way. So, I've I've one more thing I want to add, and um, I just want I want to say this very clearly. Um, 
The Suns are like the 76ers when they had AI. Why didn't the 76ers back then thrive off of AI and what that team could do? Because they were weak and they were dependent of AI and his unmatched talents of ball handling and scoring. The team itself was not really impressive without AI. Only made it to the finals once, lost. AI never won a ring. The 76ers were mediocre. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hey, hey, I got a question. Why were the Milwaukee Bucks able to win a championship after years of grinding with Giannis Antetokounmpo and that team? It's because they weren't dependent on Giannis. They understood who Giannis was and what he was about to become for the Greek Freak, but they had different scores. They had different two-way players, all-round type basketball players. They had another option. Why are the Suns failing? Because they don't have another option. They don't have that different player that can rise up to his occasions like Booker. Another question. Why are the Nets yelling? Because they have more talented players who are second and third options but can be put in as second options, ultimately, and who can score and can be a two-way player. Just saying, guys. The Suns need another score, a second option, because they rely upon Devin Booker way too much. I'm going to tell you guys this once. I want you guys to understand this once and forever in your lifetime. If a player goes out and scores 50 points, whether it's Devin Booker or Joel Embiid or any other player, he scores 50 points and you still manage to lose the game. What does that say about the team? They're a joke. They're a joke. They're an embarrassment. They should be ashamed. Because if one player scores 50, that's not being a... That. There's a difference between a player having to do that and being a ball hog about it. Example, Devin Booker, he does it because he has to, because he knows his, his other teammates can't do it. Where he wants to admit that publicly or privately, I don't care. They can't do it. They can't get his volume. They can't get his impact. So he has to do it. Does he want to do it? Yes. Does he have to do it? Yes. Even more than the want. And that's what drives him to do it, because he wants his son's team to succeed and to thrive. But he knows that Mikel can't get 50. D.A. can't get 50. Chris Paul can't get 50 anymore. So he has to take it into just into his own version. He just has to. Guys, this is a problem that the Suns are building. And, and it's really bad. The Suns just want to patch it up. Want to put a bandy over a gunshot wound. It's not how you do it. It's not how you build a team. Am I as smart as James Jones? No. Smart as any GM? Probably not. 
But I do know this. The Suns are living proof of what a team that is dependent on a player is. Just a fact. It's a it's a depressing fact, but I'm frustrated. Frustrated. When I watched that Cavs game, I was watching the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers game on my big screen. On the little screen, I had the Suns game on. I knew the Suns were going to lose. That's why I didn't have the volume on. That's why I'm on the little TV. That's why I wasn't talking about the game. Because I didn't want to get myself frustrated last night. Plus, the info game was pretty much more exciting than Right. It was just more exciting. I look down. I look away for five minutes. We're losing by double digits. That's the game. We had a close. I watched the fourth quarter. I'm actually interested. I look away for five minutes. We're getting blown out. When a team relies upon a franchise player way too much, this is the fate that they suffer. End of discussion. Period. Goodbye. That's the coup de grace. And that leads me to my fourth point. And a lot of you guys are going to agree with me. Some of you guys aren't going to agree with me. Half and half. And real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up something, and I have a lot of y'all backing me because I, I I don't do these polls. Well, for fun I do these polls sometimes, but a lot of times I have a meaning behind the polls that I give out. <sighs> three days ago, oh, it was three days ago. Oh, so today's Monday, Friday. Thank you. I said in parentheses for fun. And parentheses, should the Suns trade Young Drain? 55% of y'all said yes. 45% of y'all said no. Here's another poll. Parentheses, just to see, and parentheses, should the Suns have drafted Luka Doncic instead of Young Drain? 67% of y'all said no. Okay? 33% of y'all said yes. Interesting. But to have now. Because it could have just been a scheme difference. It could have just been, okay, Luka might not fit here. Eh, it probably won't work. Probably Maverick fans chiming in on that poll. But when I said for fun, should the Suns trade on Drain? Because I wanted to see for fun, like, who's going to respond to this? And when 55% of y'all said yes, that made my point very clear. So bullet point number four. It may be time for the Phoenix Suns general manager James Jones to consider trading DeAndre and other players. First, DeAndre Shaman. The worst trade that James Jones should have done. And I get he was following Williams Lee because he was helping Shaman. I guess when he was like down at OKC, I have no idea. But DeAndre Shaman is way too inconsistent. And is not a great fit for this team anymore. For what his contract is worth and how he's playing. It may be time to put him in a package. And try to trade him away for something good in return. Big or small. Like a Pascal Siakam or Eric Gordon. Throwing out random names. DeAndre has been more of a complimentary piece for the Suns. Rather than being that big man who's taking charge. Being physical. Making those game. Altering plays. Etc. The Suns were pressed up against the clock on what to do with him last season. But if you could get a really good player like Siakam, 
for John Collins in return, then I would be open to trading him. Cam Johnson could be added into the mix if you get an all-around type basketball player or someone of his caliber. I'm just going to say now, Kevin Durant should be ruled out due to his latest success with the Nets. Even when the Nets were facing injuries and just half in the battle, you see them on top, I'm just saying. Different mentality, different situation. Guys, I also want to point out something. Why am I considering trading DeAndre Durant? I think he's a fragile basketball player. I really do. He's not physical enough. He's not. He's not determined enough to be physical. And that's a problem. Because the guy, his size, and the way he's built, he should be. And that is a darn shame. I'm just going to be... I'm just going to be blunt. I'm going to pull up something right now. I'm going to go through my Twitter page. Why is it DeAndre cannot step up for the Suns when the Suns are fouling? In 36 games this season, this is this came out two days ago, DeAndre has averaged 17.6 points, 9.8 rebounds, and 1.9 assists. Um... In the hustle leaders category, this is the only stat he's able to crack in the top 10. But don't let number 10 deceive you. Why? Because he's very close. Like, in the stat, right? Because he's more impactful off those screens. So, in the hustle leaders category, the only, the only stat he's able to crack is a screen assist per game. And he ranks at number 10 with 4.1. Number 1 is 5.5. That's bad. When a filtering to advanced stats, the only stat category DeAndre cracks top 10 in is defensive rebound percentage. DeAndre, number 10, 24.6. Kevin Love, 30.7. DeAndre does not, doesn't crack the top five in any of these stack categories, which are points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, blocks per game, steals per game, field goal percentage, free pointers made, free point percentage, fan points per game. But taking out four three of those... Because I believe field goal percentage should be high. Because if Nick Claxton can do it at 73.7%, so should DeAndre. Five say out steals. You know what? No, put him in for steals. Because if OJM and Obi can, if Nick Claxton can get 2.6 blocks per game, DeAndre should be doing that for fun. I'm sickened and I'm mortified. This is an interesting stat that DeAndre should be dominating in, given the amount of talent skill he has in that department. Um, DeAndre is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 15th in rebounding. That is sad. DeAndre is not an all-star.
It's just not. And that says a lot, doesn't it? Kevon Looney, though, is... It's pretty great when you think about it. Kevon Looney is... Just saying. Kevon Looney's not better than DeAndre. But for fans to recognize, I get the fan bases are different. Everything I've expressed on Twitter. But it's just interesting how fans view him. Devin Booker was able to get a lot of uh, votes, but not enough, but he got some. De DeAndre Drain. DeAndre is not physical, is inconsistent, can't rebound. Even smaller defenders were able to strip the ball away from him. And it's kind of pathetic, to be honest. And I'm okay if we trade DeAndre. If he continues to play like this, who's very inconsistent, very sloppy, and not determined to be physical when he can, and he can be Shaq 2.0, because I've said that on my website before. Trade him. Ultimately, James Jones is waiting on a new ownership to take over, but I think it is time to stop stalling and take action. With a month before a trade on, an exact month, February 9th is when this trade line hits. You gotta take action. Also, I would find it incredibly concerning if James Jones opts for the Suns to skip this season's trade line and evaluate the team's performance this season before making any big moves. I'll say this, I've said it many times. If you want the team to fry, succeed, and make it to the postseason, then he needs to stop paying a player, Jay Crowder, who isn't playing, and trade him and go make a good move. If I am James Jones, I try and get some trades done. I try and go to make some trades done. I guess easier said than done, but that's just me. I like a winning team. I hope he does too. I want a big trade like Kyle Kuzma. I want a small trade like Aragorn. Those are the types of trades I want to be done. Look, this isn't the this isn't Money Williams' fault, and this isn't entirely the players' fault at the moment. This is resting in the hands of their general manager, who's prolonging the option to pull the trigger and get a good piece in return to help them make it out of the cycle of losing and depression. There's only so much a coach can do when injuries are running rampant and a coach and a general manager won't help out his coach who's prolonging. I don't know why he finds this funny or finds this amusing. I really don't. And I'm not pointing this all on James Jones because the right maybe the right deal has not shown up. But here are some deals I think could get done. So let's say the Suns and the Hawks start forming a deal. And I get it. People said that John Collins probably won't come here. But a lot of people have said he could. Pardon me. Could come. So let's just. I'm going to entertain the idea. The Suns would receive John Collins. And Aaron Holiday. In exchange for DeAndre. A 2026 first rounder. And a 2023 second rounder. That's pretty plausible. The John, getting John Collins, he's able to rebound. He's a dirty, gritty, gutty guy. He'll get those rebounds. He's proven that. 
He's not just stat stuff, and trust me, I watch his games. He's a really good guy. He has extreme hustle. He can shoot. He can pass. He can do everything that the Suns will want him to do. They will want an actual big man to do. Not Softy Aiden. He's a versatile big. And I love that. Plus, his contract's only $23.5 million uh, for four years. Where DA's is 30.9, make it 31 over four years. That's pretty much a s roughly $7 million difference. A $6, $7 million difference per season. Understand that. And the reason why Aaron Holiday, the slasher, is coming over to Phoenix is because uh, taking in all that money and the cap impact for the Hawks, they would have to trade away Aaron Holiday to get this um, to make sure it doesn't go up against their hard cap financially. That makes sense. So that's my first mock trade. My second one would be, well, if the Suns and the Wizards got together and they were making a little little trade, and I find it very interesting. And I've talked about this a lot, Kyle Kuzma. I've talked about this a lot. I have. I am. I I am I am I I I I I I lost my train of thought. That's fine. Look, Suns get Kyle Kuzma, but in exchange they give up a 2024 first rounder, a 2026 second rounder, Jay Crowder, and Bismack Biombo. Why do I think that the Wizards will accept this trade? Is because Kyle Kuzma wants out. Probably's not going to resign with them. Probably's not going to play with them after the season. He wants out. He expressed his discomfort. He's not really happy here anymore. So the Wizards are looking. So why not get a guy who wants to be out of Phoenix to come play for you, even though it's an expiring contract? You try to link him up, to try to lock him up. This way, you're saving some money. You save some money. It would be nine hundred eighty thousand dollars that you save right for the season. And you're saving yourself some million dollars, right? You're able to get rid of a guy that probably caused you some trouble. You were able to get a small floor in the center in Bismack Biombo and Jay Crowder. You're able to get a roll and cut big. You're able to get a stationary shooter who likes to shoot the free, who's very good at it. You get two draft picks. Why not accept that? That's extremely good value, especially for Kyle Kuzma and his market right now, for his value. So, I, w I would do that. I would consider that. My next trade would be Suns and Raptors. What if Suns would give Pascal Siakam and Josh Jackson, and the Raptors would give Bismack Biombo, DeAndre Ayn, Cameron Johnson, and a 2025 first rounder? Who wouldn't do that? And the funny thing is, the, the Suns were actually saving $3.1 their cap impact are actually saving money, where the cap impact for the Raptors is $1.3 million. They're actually taking that in. But for them, they can lock up Cameron Johnson to a multi-year deal to what he wants, like four-year, $80 million. DeAndre Drain's there. Get rid of Pascal Siaka, but now you have Cameron Johnson, Fred Van Vliet, DeAndre, and Scotty Barnes, right? You got those guys. Why not do it? And the rest of the town that you have on there. Now, the Suns, they have a very dominant all-around shot creator, Pascal Siakam. He's an all-around basketball player. I would love to have him. 
Josh Jackson's just so the hard cap and the money work out for the Raptors, right? But the funny part is, is that you have Devin Booker, probably not Chris Paul anymore after this season, but you have Devin Booker, Campaign, um, Pascal Siakam, um, and a bunch of other guys. Mikel Bridges. What I hate giving up, and I'm not saying I want to give up Cameron Johnson. I'm actually in the quite opposite. So even though I have him on my list and on this bullet point, I want to make it very clear that I don't want to trade Cameron Payne or Cameron uh, Johnson. I want to keep Johnson. I like Johnson. I've always been rooting for him. I always have been. Even when he was an underdog, when people really didn't want him, when they thought that James Jones or the Suns were just making this really bad decision, I want him to be excited. I want him to be a thing, Suns. I want Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson to stay here for a very long time. But if you get Pascal Siakam, maybe you have to let him go. Sadly, but it's been looking like Cameron Johnson's gonna get traded. Just my opinion. I hope not. I really do not want it to be that way. But we're gonna have to see. We're going to have to see. And Sally, it may have to come down to that. And I don't want it to be. But, I got something else. So let's say a freeway trade happens. And the Suns, Raptors, Heat all get together. The Suns get Otto Porter Jr. and Fred Van Vliet. Where the Raptors get Kyle Lowry, Cameron Johnson. And a 2023 first rounder, and the Heat get um, Jay Crowd, Darius Sarge, and a 2025 first rounder. What if? What if? Because here's the thing I don't think Fred and Vliet's going to be staying in Toronto much longer. He's already turned down a contract extension. He may be one to move on and just go to a different team. So why not trade him? Do you get Cameron Johnson? To get Kyle Lowry, yes, Kyle Lowry is going to cost a lot more. Sure, Kyle Lowry's a lot older, but it's going to be temporary until he retires or to that contract um, expires, right? But you get a good player, you get two solid players, you get a good draft pick. Then the Heat get a reunion with Jay Crowder, which have been heating up lately, which they actually want to do. Then they get a first round in 2025. But then the Suns get Fred Van Vliet. So now you got a point guard. For the Suns standpoint, I really care more about the Suns. So this may be a lot going in some areas, but now you got Fred Van Vliet. So you got Devin Booker and Fred Van Vliet in the backcourt. You have DeAndre and you have Mikael Bridges. You have everyone else on that team. Why wouldn't you like that? And you got R. Porter Jr. if you really want to keep him. That's not bad. That is not bad. I call that a win. I would actually like to have Fred Van Vliet. I've always been a Fred Van Vliet liker. Or, I've always favored him. I really have. And I said I got one more. Where is it? I, I, I saw I had one. Do, 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 do. I saw I had one more. I saw I had a John Collins one. That's what happens, kids, when you have, like, all these images and it, it, it just d doesn't work. Now, if you want to get Kyle Kuzma, my best one would be for the Wizards. That's why I want to get the Kyle Kuzma one, where it's like Bismarck, Biombo, Jay Crowder, and two draft picks. We're getting rid of a guy. I hate to give up Busy. I like Busy. But I wouldn't mind giving up Busy. And 
Jay Crowder pretty much is done with us, which is fine. I understand, respect it to a certain degree. But then you get Kyle Kuzma, so we have Devin Booker, Kyle Kuzma, Campaign, DeAndre, Mikel Bridges, and Cam Johnson, and Tory Craig, and all those other guys. That's actually a very good lineup. I would love that. Maybe you get Aaron Gordon too, or maybe a point guard. I, I don't know. Whatever they're feeling. But now, here is something. Here it is. I don't know if I already said so. I'm going to say it again. The Suns give up DeAndre Drain, a 2026 first rounder, 2023 second rounder, and they get Aaron Holiday and John Collins, and now I'm thinking about it. I already said that. But I actually want to mind that. I actually want to mind that. Because John Collins can play center. Because position at this point is relevant. It's just the name at this point. But those are some of my thoughts. Those are some of my mock trade ideas. And I honestly believe these. Like, I'm not a kid with you guys. I honestly believe this. I really do. Because I think the one with Kyle Kuzma with Bismarck Beyond Madari Drain, like a draft pick or two, whoever it was, is the most plausible one. And this is going to be up on my social media very soon. I'm going to let you guys rate these. I'm going to let you guys go through these. And just like uh, critique them and just nitpick act them and just try to assess them. Whatever. But I think these are some of the mock, some of the best mock trade ideas that we have out there right now. And with that being said, we're going to move on to our fifth point. And the fifth point is the Phoenix Suns and they in the fact that they have a broken mentality right now. Again, is this the downfall of the Phoenix Suns? Go read this on my Substack. Go read this on courtsy.com. I write tremendous articles. Trust me. Go read it. You'll love it. I dive a little deeper on that. But pretty much I summed it up. With all the negatives going on right now, there just hasn't been much excessive positivity for this locker room. Full players to benefit and feed off of. Which is making their play sloppy, uninvolved, showing a little hard, disconnected at times, and just struggling to find the answers deep down to pull out the win. That is just fact. They have a broken mentality right now. They're crowded with so many unknowns and negatives and just so little, um, and just so many, just so many negatives. There's just so many downers right now. And I, I think that, um, it's been showing. But even, but also I just want to say this. A mentality can only go so far when your team's playing this bad and your injuries are piling up and it's just a bunch of bench players that are trying to get working and try to improve and just try to be their best version. Now, if DeAndre goes down, we're going to break up this locker room and chemistry is going to continue going down. It's just a fact. Oh, and that's just my honest truth. It really is. <sighs> that's all I got to say about the broken mentality because it's just that. When you have nothing, we have a little success and positivity going on, you can't help but blame on negatives. Right? That's just that's just it. There's just nothing else to it. And I'm sorry, that's just a fact. That's all I gotta say. And guys, lastly, for number six, here are some sickening statistics. That pretty much killed me. Because I never realized 
how bad it was. Never realized how bad it was until I was really breaking down. I'm like, you know what? This is really, really bad. So, I hate doing this. But are you guys ready? And this, this hurts me more than it hurts you guys. Because I'm a diehard fan. But let's get through it. Let's just get to it. Let's have... We only have 30 teams. Remember, we only have 30 teams in this entire league. We're 2021 below 500. We're 1 in our, in our last 10 games. We're on a six game losing streak. Not a single player in any major, major statistic category. 17th in points per game. 19th in rebounds per game. 24th in. Pardon me. 24th in team shooting, 29th in clutch games, 24th in opponent shooting, 18th in defensive rating, 18th in offensive rating, and we are last in our own division, 8th in the Western Conference, and just trying to hold on for a playing spot. Or we're, yeah, I would say we're trying to hold off for the 7th seed to get out of the playing tournament, but no, because here's the problem. Ready? If, if, if that happens, um, it won't because we keep going back. So those are some some statistics that are just sickening to its uttermost core. The losing streak hurts. Being 1-9 in the last 10 games, that's bad. We're 2-10 about Devin Booker. We fried a little bit about... CP free, but I think we're like 14 and 19, but I don't know. She's not good, guys. Team shooting's rough at 24th. But guys, it just shows this, and I'm going to start wrapping up the podcast episode, but this just boils down dependency on one player, not having a true young secondary shooter, that type of secondary option. And injuries have that just have killed chemistry making and consistently across all lines on this team. There's just a lot of dysfunction right now, a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration, a lot of hesitation to make a big move. I I, I need to see something. Another month can't go by with this type of just eh play and just with this failing team. Again, try not to break the spirits of every, anyone, but this is utterly true. I hope you guys can understand, but it, it, it is true. This just gets real bad. It just does for the Phoenix Suns because now we're being put in a situation where we're going up against teams that are figuring out who were bad, but now are figuring out who are becoming really good, like the Warriors, Nets, and others team along those lines. Heck, even the Kings are starting to figure it out. It's just getting tough. We're going to keep falling. But how bad do you want to fall? We've already played half the season. We've already played 41 games. Just how bad do we have to get to the All-Star break? How bad are we going to be getting to the trade-on until we pull the trigger? I'm not saying rush into a trade. I'm not saying rush into a bad deal. I'm not saying have poor judgment. We just try to appease fans. I'm not saying at all. I'm just saying that it's tough. 
and it's only going to continue to get worse until we have that right player, until the injuries just start to calm down. And I honestly do remember that. <sighs> Guys, this is it's been draining. It's very frustrating. I don't know if I want to watch Tuesday's game, tomorrow's game. I think it's like, what, 8 p.m. against, like, the Warriors? Look, I'm looking right now. Don't worry. Yeah. Tomorrow, 8 p.m. It starts up another four-game road series for us, road trip. They're at home for five games, but... Guys, let me just read you. Let me just read you the upcoming teams: Warriors, Nuggets, Timberwolves, Grizzlies, Nets, Pacers, Grizzlies, Hornets, Mavericks. Spurs is the only one that gets easy, but even that's going to be a tough break for us. Guys, this is just not good. Like this is just not good. And that actually scares me a lot. Hmm. We got a lot of answers. What we have to come up with. We got a lot of problems we have to solve. But guys, that's pretty much all that I have for y'all today. This was me breaking down the Phoenix Suns. These are all the main killers. These are all the main players right now. These are all the things affecting us. And I hope this opens your eyes about DeAndre and about Devin Booker, about the Phoenix Suns as a whole, the bench, injuries. I hope this was comprehensive enough, and I hope this helps. I really do. But guys, until then, I'll be seeing y'all next podcast episode, which will be Tuesday, tomorrow, 8 a.m. Remember it. Um... Just remember, guys, I'm here. It will be going Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, as always. Um, 2K episodes, Monday, Thursday, Saturday. And just on the regular YouTube channel, we have uh, clips coming out every single day, gaming-wise and NBA-wise, like real NBA. So until then, guys, I'll see y'all next episode. Have a great day, and I'll catch y'all later. Hopefully the Suns can pull it win on Tuesday, but we'll see. Until then, y'all, peace. <laughs>